Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Yeah, it is so great to be with you today. And I'm coming to you along with the worship team today uh, from Basaw Ranch. It's our 430 acre property that our network of churches, INC and Global Care has purchased. And on this property, it's a magnificent place. It's going to be used for camps and conferences and retreats, personal prayer retreats. Uh, And most importantly, that we have carved out a space on this great property for young people to rediscover the cheerfulness of life and young people that are at risk in whatever way, whether it be emotionally, physically, spiritually, can come and have an extended time out and get uh, really ministered to and spoken into and come alive with purpose. And uh, we see that this property, as the name Basaw means, a place of cheerful news, a place where people are going to rediscover the joy of life. So it's so, so good to be with you today. And I wanna share a word with you. And I, I want to really, you know, for Kathy and I, the last several weeks, we've had the opportunity to have a a kind of like a sabbatical and some time out. And also, to be totally honest, it's been an opportunity for myself to reflect at me. You know, sometimes it's great to look into a mirror and and allow your life to be challenged rather than looking out windows, pointing the finger at everyone else. And certainly for myself, it's been an opportunity for me to look into a mirror and really ask some questions about my life and my legacy and some of the inner dealings of what's happening in my heart. And today, what I want to give you is just one. I've got a whole bunch of thoughts and uh, I suppose uh, those, those aha moments that have happened for Kathy and myself over the last several weeks. I want to share one with you because this is probably one that undergirds so much else of the work of Christ in our life so that He can be magnified is kind of encompassed in this one thought, this one principle. You know, on this property, we've got a number of dams and uh, one of them just of, of recent, we discovered as the water levels rose, the side embankment would collapse. And every time it collapsed, all the water that was in the dam, most of it would rush out and it formed a kind of like a a creek or a canal down this cliff face that it wasn't meant to be there. It was quite dangerous. And if we didn't repair the, the, the dam, then eventually the whole wall would collapse and we'd have water rushing out. And what the guys who built the the walls, rebuilt it, did is they, and I've got a picture to show you, they actually placed a pipe and it's the, the, the overflow pipe in the best position for it because previously the pipe that was there was really small and in the wrong position, so it didn't really work. So what it means now is as the water level fills up, it gets to a, a level and when it's at that level, if it can contain no more, it begins to spill out into the canals. And it was a picture that God really showed about my life. And, you know, if I'm to be honest, a lot of times I think we live our life with a canal mentality. You know, canals rise and fall with the tide. Their their only purpose is to direct the water and water goes out as quick as it comes in. But a dam, a reservoir, the, the mentality of that is I only give out of my surplus. I only give out of the overflow of what's in me. And I really believe through this season of what God has been doing through this pandemic around the world is trying to allow us as followers of Christ to rediscover the overflow of our life. 
Too many of us have done life giving out of the canal mentality. We're just doing, we're just trying to get the work done. And I really believe that God wants to speak to people today. And I wanna share a story from the Old Testament and tie it into the New Testament. Basically in seven, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse one, it's a season in the life of David where he's won his battles, there's peace in the land. And I want you to hear this. It says, Now when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. To give you a little bit of context, 400 years before this, God was, was in a what they called the tent of meeting, the, the tabernacle. And wherever Israel went, they kind of packed up their tent and the presence of God, the Ten Commandments was all in this tent of meeting. And they would pack that up and, and they could move, they could transport it easy. But now, 400 years later, we're in a land where David has subdued his enemies. God's people, are, uh, their roots are going down, communities are being built. And David has this thought, why should I live in a cedar home, which was the, the most expensive wood you could get back in the time? Why should I dwell in a cedar home? And God, the presence of God, the deliverer of Israel live in a tent. And so he comes up with the idea, I'm gonna build God a place to dwell. Now, if you're into personality types, David would be your A-type personality. An A-type personality is a director. I've got a diagram right now. You know, the, the, the A-type personality sees the mountain and goes, I'm gonna climb that. A B-type personality is the partier. You know, they, they just wanna hang down the bottom of the mountain and have a good time. The C-type personality is the thinker. And they're always asking, well, why do we need to climb that mountain? The D-type personality is the support mechanism. And they wanna help people climb the mountains. There's no doubt David would have been an A-type personality. And, and for David to have peace in the land, this is the typical thinker when it comes to an A-type personality because they're driven to do peace in the land. So what does David do? I've got to make something happen. I need to build God a house to dwell in. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 4 and 5, it says this, but that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? And I'm going to jump to verse 8. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and I will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Now listen to this. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. So suddenly God flips this around and says, well, David, you're actually not gonna make me a house. I'm gonna make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He 
shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be a father and he, will shall, and he shall be my son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men. When the stripes of the sons of men, uh, with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. So David has got this idea, I'm gonna build God a house. I've got peace around me. I need to be doing something. And during the night, God comes and speaks to Nathan the prophet, the mouthpiece to David about that's not the plan that God has. It's the plan that David had, not, not a bad plan, a great plan actually, but it's not God's plan. And God reverses and said, David, you're actually not gonna build me a house, but I'm gonna build you a house and I'm gonna build a legacy through you and your kingdom will be established forever and ever. But your son is going to build me a house. And as you read on in Scripture that this prophetic word, this, this vision that God spoke to Nathan to tell David was partially filled through Solomon, David's very son that Solomon, even though he strayed from God and God did rebuke him, God still loved Solomon and Solomon built God a home and a house, to dwell, a magnificent temple to dwell in. And then ultimately, when it says that David's throne would be established forever, his kingdom would last forever, it's actually a prophetic word about Jesus. And that many generations after David, that Jesus would be born through the lineage of David himself and as we know today, that you and I are standing here because of what Christ has done for you and I. And so this word for David via the prophet Nathan was, was profound. And A-type personalities kind of don't like the plans being ruffled. And I wanted to share the next few words, because that's where we want to unpack in the remaining moments that we have together. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, the first part of verse 18, it says this, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. King David, A-type personality, get things done. I wanna build a temple, went in and sat before the Lord. Several weeks ago in my own personal devotion, uh, this story kind of really impacted me and, and, and arrested me because like many people that are listening and watching today, the, you, you relate to that A-type personality. You're even at home, you're looking at things to do and, and, and you know, over COVID, you're, you're building stuff, you're busy all the time. To actually allow myself to sit and to absorb what God had for me and not what I thought God wanted for me was actually a, a very impactful moment in my life. Author and pastor Eugene Peterson wrote this, David sat. This may be the most single critical act that David ever did. The action that put him out of action. More critical than killing Goliath, David sat. An incredible feat when we begin to understand the conditions under which he did it. So full of desire he was for God, so bursting with plans for God, Stopping David in that condition was like reining in a team of runaway horses. And trust me, I've tried that. But Nathan stopped him. 
More accurately, David let himself be stopped by God. So I wanna ask you a question today. For each and every one of us that are listening online, online today, how do you find stopping for God? Now, I don't mean stopping and sitting and eating Doritos and scrolling through Facebook or watching Netflix. I, I mean intentional moment during your day where it's just you and God. Because when you sit, you communicate something. You communicate that I'm all yours, you're all mine. You communicate something that says, I'm not in a hurry. I, I, I don't wanna be rushing off here that, that you have me for this time. And when the wording around David sat, I want you to come with me on this journey. David sat, this man who had a plan to build a, a temple for God, suddenly sat in the presence of God and allowed God to minister to him. And I wanna say today, folks, it's actually a principle, it's actually a discipline that we do not do enough of. And we miss some of the most precious moments of hearing from God and intimacy with Christ because we're such busy people and we're always trying to. And even if we do sit, we've got our iPads, we've got our iPhone, we're scrolling, we're looking, we're responding to text messages and emails. And But that intentional time in our life just to sit and be in the presence of God. If there was a major flaw in my life, it would be that I tend to be an over-functioner. And that's nothing to be proud of. It means that I've got a trust issue in trusting others and trusting God that He's gonna come through. But many of us are like that. We're always wanting to over-function in our life. And yet God arrested David and David allowed himself to be arrested just to sit. And in those moments of sitting, prayer sorts out our disordered desires. Our role is to sit in God's presence, allowing Him to purify those desires. When we sit in silence, we begin the process of allowing God to be the centre of our world. We're not in control. Suddenly nothing is before us, no list of activities, nothing important on our agenda. We are at God's disposal. You know, all through Scripture, there are moments when you look at the life of Jesus of times that He sat. And I started listing them all and it was just too many to, to let you all know about today. But I encourage you when you get some time, have a look because it's no accident that in the Word of God that, that strategically it'll say, and Jesus sat to teach the Word or Jesus sat on top of the mountain. The Bible says that Jesus sat to watch people giving into the treasury, that Jesus sat to share a meal with people. So many times it was like Jesus knew the importance of stopping and being with God and being with people. So my challenge for us today is how easy do we find it to stop? Most of our issues in life and most of our human problems in life come because we don't know how to sit still in our room for more than an hour. And I wonder in this beautiful surrounding of Basaw Ranch, that maybe from today that we can make a decision, God, you know what, every day, I'm gonna intentionally stop and I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna listen. I don't need to talk, I don't need to say too much. I wanna listen and I wanna lay at the altar every desire, I wanna lay at the altar every ambition, every fear, every insecurity, every bit of anxiety, 
I want to give it to you. The notion of a slowed down spirituality of being with Jesus to sustain doing for Jesus is a foreign concept for most of us. It preaches well, but let me tell you, to put it into practice, it's something that over the last eight weeks for my life has been transformational as I have found again. And you would think as a lead pastor that that would just be what you do. But I, like most of us, get into the rut of just being a busy person. And sometimes we're busy doing stuff that God doesn't even want us to do. David wanted to build a temple, but God had other ideas. So what's David's response? But to sit in the presence of God. Book of Hebrews says this as we come to a close, chapter 10, verse 11 to verse 14. It's talking about Jesus. And it says, Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until His enemies should be made a footstool for His feet. For by a single offering, He was perfected for all time for those who are being sanctified. So what Scripture is saying is that the one act of Jesus dying on a cross for you and I. And again, for me, as I've taken some time to sit and intentionally remember and intentionally reflect on what the resurrection means for me, that my bucket of fear and my bucket of anxiety and my bucket of, of insecurities and everything else that I begin to bring to Jesus in my moment of sitting, suddenly I realise, Jesus, You died for each and every one of these. You died once for all of these and then You sat. You sat beside our Father, Father because You knew the work is now done. There's a sign of intimacy. There's a sign of connectedness. And I want to let each and every one of us know today, wherever you are watching, that Jesus did this for you. That once and for all, He hung upon a cross to take every fear, every anxiety, all of your emotion, all of the hurt, all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the things that even maybe from a small child that even today still echo in your mind and echo in your heart, the words that were spoken about you, the poor parenting that maybe you were raised in, the sibling rivalry, the, 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 the business partner that stole finance from you. You need to know today the resentment, the unforgiveness. The Bible promises us that Jesus died once and then He sat. And there is an offer on the table today for each and every one of us that God wants us to come and sit with Him. He wants to be our friend. He wants a relationship with us today. And I want to make an opportunity for each and every person today. And if you don't believe that your relationship with Christ is right, if you think in your life that you don't even know whether you're a follower of Jesus, you don't even know whether you're a lover of Jesus, you don't even know whether you're a Christian, then this moment is for you. And I'm going to pray a really simple prayer. And the only thing I'm going to ask you to do is to pray it with me. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. It doesn't really matter. But I want you to come with me in this because this is a strategic moment that Jesus has done for you and wants to restore relationship with you. So would you pray with me? Jesus, today, I give you my life. I give you my past, every fear, 
every insecurity, the anxiety, the worry, the shame, the guilt. I give it to you today. I thank you that you died for me. And today I receive new life through you. Amen. You know, today that if you did pray that for the first time, can I encourage you? Two little things that we would love to know about your decision today. There's a, uh, uh, I made a decision for Christ in the online chat. You can press that. Or you can fill out a red card on our website, elevationchurch.com.au and let us know that you made a decision for Christ because this is a journey and we wanna do it with you. But as we go today, here's my challenge. David sat. He allowed God to arrest him, to slow him down. And it's my prayer today that whether you're a morning person, an evening person, a lunchtime person, it doesn't matter. Would we from this moment on allow God to arrest us enough to sit and hear from heaven? Because I believe that the next season for your life, for Elevation Church is our best season. But we wanna know that we're busy doing what God wants us to do. So God bless you today. Thank you so much. Can't wait to have you out here on Basaw Ranch and experience this place with us.